you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Tapeheads is a production of iHeartMedia and the NFL. Welcome to another edition of Tapeheads Draft Season. Bob Oshusen, longtime radio voice of the New York Jets, college football broadcaster for ESPN. And Greg Cosell, who's been breaking the All-22 down at NFL Films for the better part of four decades, and these guys obviously wanted to suck up to me. Like this, now, this now becomes my best day, right? Because on Tapehead's draft season, we are bringing guests in. Talked to Mike Tannenbaum last week. And just tremendous perspective from different parts of the worlds of football, college and pro, as to how teams get ready for the draft, evaluate prospects, and who better to talk to than the guys who coach these actual players, but also lived in the world of at one point coaching them in the pros and evaluating them and dealing with the draft process as well. And who better to go to than by far the greatest college football coach walking the planet right now. And that is Jeff Halfley of Boston College as a BC alum. Yes. I knew these guys wanted to suck up to me. And coach, bring you on as a BC alum. I can't tell you not only how happy I am that you're joining us today, but how happy I am right now that you are piloting my program and hopefully will for a long time to come. Please tell me that will be so. Well, I- I, I I appreciate that introduction. That's probably the best one that I've ever received in my That's two years right. of being a head coach. Yeah, I just signed a five year uh, a five year new extension, and I want to be here. I love it here. This is a great place, as you know, and I'm excited for the future. Yeah, well, the future looks bright. I have to tell you, you have gotten that program talent wise to a place it hasn't been in quite some time. And look, you you've lived in both worlds, right? So you spent a long time in the National Football League and, you know, working for San Francisco and Cleveland and Tampa and defensive backs, and then obviously at Ohio State, now at Boston College. So you have been not only in the NFL part of the evaluation process of getting set for NFL football, but also now you're part of the process and the most important guy at Boston College of finding the players and preparing them for that level. So how much do you think the whole world has changed 
I mean, you're still a relatively young guy in this business, but we've seen an evolution even during your career of what NFL football used to look like, what it looks like now, and what you guys are doing in college with your best players to get them ready for the NFL. How much has all that changed? Well, I think it's 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 changed certainly since since I left San Francisco in 2018, and and I've been back in college football one year at Ohio State and two years now as a head coach here. Um, I do think the game's changed. I think the college game has changed. I think the NFL game has changed. I think they're becoming more similar. Uh, the players are faster at all different levels from the defensive line all the way back to the safeties. Then I think everybody's starting to recruit a lot of speed and a lot of length, even in college football. And that's what everybody's looking for in the NFL. I think you see schematically there, there's stuff that's bleeding into the NFL, but I think it's it's the same way. I think a lot of the NFL game is is coming back to college football. So it's been very interesting for me to watch, uh, being that I've actually spent time in both and talking to still talking to my some of my friends who are NFL head coaches and constantly picking each other's brains. It's just it's fascinating to see how much back and forth that there is. Let me ask you this then, Jeff, because obviously one of the things and you know, I learned this from a pretty smart guy years ago, Bill Belichick, when I had a chance to talk to him maybe 10 years ago. And one thing he said to me was, and it stuck with me, uh, and it, it kind of infuses how I watch tape when I wa- watch the NFL for the six, seven months, and then I jump to college, is the positioning of the hash marks and how that kind of changes the symmetry and balance of the game. If you could just talk a little bit about how that impacts the game, both the NFL game and then the college game, because I know when, when people evaluate players in college, you kind of have to take that into account. Yeah, you do. I mean, in the NFL, the, the ball is literally in the middle of the field for the entire game. If, you, if yeah. you look at it from a college standpoint, the ball's in the middle of the field. And there's there's less space in, in the NFL when you're dealing with that. For example, in college, when the ball's in the boundary, you have so much space to the wide part of the field. And you can utilize your speed and you can you really stress defenses really to cover every blade of grass, which we talk about in the NFL. But there's so much more grass and space in the college game to the field, way less into the boundary. So totally different game when you're on a college hash versus an NFL hash, which is essentially the middle of the field. So you can really see the speed take over in college to the wide side of the field and you can really see the mismatches that some teams have with the, uh, you know, the back seven and the wide receivers and running backs. But it's funny. I'm sorry, Bob. It's just, it's funny you mentioned that because when you watch college football and obviously I get to watch the tape, but when you watch it on TV, the players look so fast at times because they have to run a greater distance because of the wide side of the field. And then obviously they get to the NFL and you don't necessarily see guys, defenders anyway, having to run 30 or 40 yards to make plays. So it's just different when you see guys in college, they always look faster. Well, they, they, they might look faster. I mean, trust me, in the NFL, they're much faster. But the thing that's unique is in college, formationally, so picture all that space you have to the field, you can really spread yeah. people out. You cannot spread people out as much in the NFL because the ball is always in the middle of the field, essentially. Which guys do you think play positions that are most affected by that in terms of the difficulty of analyzing their college tape to the pros? Is it is it a wide receiver? Is it a deep? Is it a safety? They're just having to deal with patrolling more real estate in the middle of the field because the hashes are wider. I mean, who, who's affected the most by that from an NFL evaluation process? Well, I think first, if you flip it from, a, from my evaluation and have to kind of reassess the linebackers in college football, you, 
you can get exposed so fast because you can have an inside backer that now has to chase a guy across the wide side of the field in pursuit of the wide side of the field. So I think your college linebackers have to be very, very fast. And I think I think that's huge. So you're talking about re- recruiting guys who can really run, which I think you're starting to see more in the NFL, too. I mean, linebackers are you get a lot of kick college safeties becoming yeah. linebackers for that reason. You have to have guys that can run in and, and the linebacker position that I'm starting to recruit. I'm taking high school safeties and trying to turn them into linebackers. And it's your high school linebacker that I'm trying to turn into defensive ends to get faster throughout the game. Yeah, the safety position, uh, the safety position, the speed. And what I even saw as I was really leaving the NFL in 18, the versatility of those guys. There there is – there's not as much of your big box safety. I mean, that's now a linebacker in in the NFL. Uh, Those safeties are extremely athletic. They can play deep in the middle of the field. They can play quarters. They can play a half, but they also can cover tight ends and backs where, you know, years ago – you were seeing a lot of eight-man fronts, middle-close defense with big safeties in the box. There's not as many as those guys anymore. Yeah, and I think, as you know, I mean, I know you've been out of the NFL for a bit, but obviously you're still clued in. I think every team in the NFL would like to have interchangeable safeties. They don't want to get stuck with a safety that is just a box safety and then a guy who can just play in the post because not only is that not effective for your defense, but you become far too predictable. Oh, you, you hit it right on the head, and we talk about it all the time as we look to recruit. You'd love almost to be able to play left and right with your safeties so they're totally interchangeable. Who's dropping in the right. box? Who's going to the post? So you don't always get a beat on that, right? If you have your strong safety, who's always your strong safety. You know when they're in man, if he's dropping down to cover the tight end. You know their rotation, whether they're playing three weak or three strong. You know, even when I was in Cleveland, I mean, we had Deshaun Gibson and Dante Whitner. I mean, we had guys we felt could do a whole lot of different things. San Francisco, we had Jimmy Ward and Jaquaski Tart, same type of deal. So you're looking for very athletic guys that can kind of do everything and are interchangeable. You, you nailed it. If you could get interchangeable safeties from a coordinating standpoint, it makes life a lot easier. Jeff Halfley, the head coach at Boston College, joining us, but also spent plenty of time in the National Football League working for the 49ers, working for Cleveland, working for uh, Tampa Bay. So he brings that NFL perspective plus the college football perspective to us here on Tapehead's draft season. And to that point, look, these guys all want to play in the National Football League, right? And when you're at Ohio State, a little different than playing at Boston College. But having said that, you know, there are certain coaches I know, and certainly this exists in college basketball, I mean, I know like John Calipari at Kentucky really doesn't make much bones about it. This is an NBA preparatory academy at our school that if we win a national championship along the way, great. But if I recruit you, man, I'm getting you ready for the NBA. Probably different in college football. So many players and also different at a place like B.C., as opposed to maybe in Ohio State. But how much time do you spend with the top end guys on your team talking to them not only about playing for you, but about getting ready for the NFL. And, and look, what do you do to maybe train them so that they're going to put their best foot forward when it's time to go show the pros what the pros want to see? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of good points. And in my time at Ohio State and then obviously coming to Boston College, um, one, and, and this isn't recruiting talk, but in my time in the NFL, I got to coach guys like Akeem Tlaib and Darrell Revis and Richard Sherman. But for every one of those guys, I've coached 100 guys at people have never heard of. And I try to stress to the guys, you better have a plan because it doesn't last for long. And if if you're lucky enough, um, you got to have a great degree. And that's, as you know, that's why BC is a special place because your degree, you're going to be around great alumni with a powerful network and you're going to make a ton of money. 
People need to understand that. And I get it because I've sat in that chair and I've seen it. Everything we do, though, as far as football goes, I've hired a lot of NFL guys, my offensive coordinator, my defensive coordinator, my D-line coach, my my tight end coach. There's a big NFL, big NFL feel here, and that helps recruiting and it helps the development. Everything from how I run practice to what we do in the meetings, to how I teach the guys situational football, I try to model after my time in the NFL. And one, I think that separates us. Two, that's my job to win games and prepare these guys to be the best they can so they do have a chance to go to the National Football League. From our nutritionist to our strength coach to everything that we do, I've tried to model after that because that's the highest level of football. And I try to teach the guys what it takes to get there from a mental standpoint, uh, to a studying standpoint, recovery standpoint, how to take care of your body. This is stuff that when I was in college, my first go around, I had no idea. And I've probably learned more from NFL players, the really good ones, than I have from any other coach I've ever been around. And I'm trying to use those as examples to show these guys who are close now. You know, we have a guard who I think should be a first round pick and should be the first guard. So you kind of sit down and you show them that. And you teach them what the combine looks like. You show them what the pro day looks like. So when they get there, it's not the first time and they're not apprehensive about it. But how we train them each day on the field, it's I've really modeled it all after the NFL because I think it's really important. And all these kids do have dreams to go to that level. I mean, sure. if they didn't, truthfully, I probably wouldn't want to recruit them here. Jeff, I remember, didn't you used to be on the field during the DB workouts at the Combine? Yeah, I was. I spent time probably my last three or four years on the field because I just used to like to get a feel for the guy, to see how they interacted with the players, to see the guys who were on their phone looking up stuff that, you know, I, I wanted to see the guys that were locked in and get a feel for them. I used to take note of that to try to get a sense of who they were. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, you know, being on the field, because I was fortunate enough to be on the field. That's why I remembered seeing you on the field as well, is, you know, what did you take from that? And what did you take from the combine? You know, because obviously you were not sitting up in the stands. You were, you know, during the DB workouts, you were not up in, in the your team's box. What did that actually, what did you learn from being on the field with the guys? Well, you, you, you could see what they were like, what their personalities were like, who, who, who was joking around, who was really locked in and focused, who was more concerned about skipping out on a drill and worried about doing stuff or who had confidence about them, who the leaders and the alphas were. That's probably, Greg, the biggest thing is who are the alphas, the guy that led the DB group or the safety group or the corner group. You could figure that out pretty quickly. And those are guys that you want on your team. That's Jeff Halfley, the head coach at Boston College. We'll come back with more. Take a look at some of the players that he coached, not only this year, but obviously he's got some guys that are lurking out there in the future and also who he coached against and some players that maybe jumped out to him that are going to be a factor in the NFL draft. All that and more when we come back on Tapehead's Draft Season. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. 
Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think. Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. We are back on Tapehead's draft season. Bob Shoes and Greg Cosell. Honored to be joined by Jeff Halfley, the head coach of Boston College, with us this week. And, Greg, we've been talking a lot about not only the differences between college football and pro football with Jeff, but also, uh, you know, how difficult it might be, and you can get to this, yep. of projecting players to the NFL. I mean, that, that's really, that's what this is all about. How do you project college tape to the pros? And Jeff has lived in both of those worlds. Yeah, and Jeff, you know, one of the things, and I've been doing this, you know, for quite a while, and, you know, there's always guys where you can obviously see their traits, you know, their physical athletic traits, you know, but then sometimes the production in your mind doesn't match the traits. Then you try to think, or I do anyway. And I've spent, as you know, been doing this a while. So I've talked to a lot of coaches through the years. I know a lot of coaches. And then I think about, okay, what can be coached? What can't be coached? You know, obviously you were in the NFL. You had to deal with that with DBs. Now you're in college trying to get guys ready to be in the NFL how do you sort of deal with that that balance between traits, production, and coaching? Well, I think that's a great question. And I, I remember sitting in that seat, you know, in the NFL, trying to figure all those out. I think early on in the draft, you have to find the traits and the production. I think that's the key early in the draft. Those are the keys. You, you can't just find a productive player without the traits that aren't going to, you know, mesh with the NFL. You could find a really productive DB who doesn't have the size, length, and speed Right. And he's not going to make it. So you need to find early on, you better find a DB or a player who has those traits. But then the film has production, because if he wasn't productive in college, you got to be careful. Right. We always we always used to say, well, maybe I could coach him into it. Well, there's a lot of really good football coaches in college that are trying to do the same thing. So I think early in the draft, you got to find the combination of both. I think as you get later in the draft, I mean, just from from me thinking back, you do. You might look at the traits. You might find a 6'2 corner with 33-inch arms that just ran 4'3'9 that maybe he only played corner for a season. Or maybe he's a safety and you saw a lot of good coverage ability on tape from him playing safety and maybe you think he can convert to corner. But the college team, if you talk to the coaches, they, there's reasons they played him at safety. Maybe that was the focal point of their defense. And maybe that will change. it. And that's why you have to dig and that's why you have to talk to college coaches. Why was that kid playing this position when you think maybe he should be playing another? 
well, our job in college is to win. So yeah. we're going to put we're going to put our best players in the positions we feel are going to help our team out the most. Where I might have a kid playing nickel because it's a huge part of my scheme, and maybe he's really an NFL safety. And I think there's a lot of you got to communicate with coaches and find out why when you look at those kids that you're trying to project to see maybe why they're playing where they are and maybe why they haven't had the production they do. And then, Greg, the other funny thing is we used to always sit in those DB meetings and it's like, well, the kids only got one career pick. Well, you know, I, I, I coached Terrell Revis in college and after the first three games, no one threw the ball to his side of the field. <laughs> so he wasn't going to have an opportunity to get any interceptions. So the argument of, I used to joke all the time, does the kid have ball skills? No one's throwing him the ball. I just looked at every single clip. I mean, let's go back to his freshman and sophomore year and watch to see if he has ball skills or not. So for me, it was always a process. And yeah, sixth, seventh round, I wanted traits. I wanted to coach him up, maybe change a position around and see if I could get the most out of him because that's a big, fast league. And you, it's hard if you're a little guy who has no length and can't run. Uh, those guys usually make good coaches like me and not good players. Yeah, Mike Tannenbaum told us a great story last week coming home from the, you know, pro day at Pitt. They had the 21st pick, the Jets did, and Terry Bradway was at the pro day and called up Mike on his way to the airport. It was like, we're trading up. So there's no chance Darrell Rivas is there at 21. Absolutely no chance. And we have to go get this guy. And they decided basically on the drive to the airport for Terry Bradway after the Pitt Pro Day that that was their guy. That is, I never heard that story before. I rem- yeah. I, rem- I remember the Pro Day because everybody thought Reeve was going to run a slower time and he ran in the four fours. And I remember when he hit 40, he knew it because he just put his hand up and started screaming. We all knew he was fast. <laughs> he just, the way he ran, if you guys remember, he just, he's yeah. just a bigger, yeah. thicker guy. He yeah. doesn't look like he's a blazer, but he's so explosive and strong where he really was and, I still think there's no one who's done what he's been able to do and play the game the way he did. So yeah. heck of a draft pick there. He was the best I ever saw at any position. I think he's the best player, the most complete player at that position I think I ever saw. Jeff, you hit on something that I really am a big believer in because I have unbelievable respect for coaches at every level just because of what I do sitting here watching tape. And I know how hard I work, so I know how hard coaches work. And if you see that a coach, a, a college coach, is not using a player in a certain way, like let's say – it's a, it's a defensive lineman and he doesn't play on third down, then you can, as I would assume, as an, as an NFL coach, say, well, I'm going to draft him and he's going to play in my nickel and dive. Because, you know, there's a reason the college coach isn't playing him on third down. It's, he's not just, you know, pulling that out of a hat and doing it on a whim. He feels he has better players who can rush the quarterback. So, you know, you have to be really egotistical to think you're going to take him and you're going to make him a pass rusher. Yeah, and, and, and we all are at some point. And, and coming back to college, it's funny. Sometimes or sometimes their NFL guys are drafting your guys or taking your guys in free agents, and they don't even call me as the head coach. <laughs> and I think back, it's like I probably made the same mistake. you got to talk to the coach and find out why. Because there's certain guys I'm not – if Kyle Shanahan or Robert Sala call me right now, I'm not going to sell them something that – that's that's going to make me look bad. I'm going to be honest with them. Right. And I think it's really important for guys to communicate, just like when I'm recruiting a high school player. I better talk to the head coach and, and figure out what the kid's all about. But, yeah, you run into that sometimes. Well, you know, he, he's not good enough, but I'll coach him and make him better. There's some really good coaches out there, and, and we got to make sure that, that they do their homework and we do our homework. Jeff Halfley, head coach at BC, joining us. All right, let's get to some guys that you coached against 
And really, let's lead off with the guy that you coached, who probably is your most draftable prospect. If he doesn't go in the first round, he probably won't last long in the second round, and that's Zion Johnson as an interior offensive lineman. I don't know if you think he projects more as a guard, a center, if it matters, but, I mean, he he will be drafted early, if not on day one, right? Yeah, I, I agree. Whether whether you want him at guard, center, he played left tackle for us my first year, so he has film playing tackle, guard, you know, he's a guy who made a really smart decision. He came back to school for an extra year, and he put on weight. He put on strength. He understands the position better, and I think he probably would have been a third-round third, third round pick if he left last year, and now I believe he should be a first-round pick. He's the guy that, you know, when you're in the draft room, you talk about safe picks, and you talk about guys that you know if you invest a first-round pick into him, that he's going to do the things right on and off the fields. He's never going to embarrass the program. He's going to be the first guy in the room. He's going to be the guy taking notes. He's going to be a captain of your team because of how hard he works. That's Zion. Any NFL coach that I've worked for or with, and and I have some really good friends out there, it it is a no-brainer to me to take this kid. What he will do on the field, his production, turn the tape on. He's a great player, but then he's like Captain America. He is one of the greatest human beings ever, and he's going to work and get better and he's going to make someone really proud. I mean, it is a he is a complete, safe, no-brainer pick. Um, it's just do you value that position to take him in the first round? That's up to the clubs. Hmm. Well, the other guy that you obviously played against, and you being a defensive guy at heart, um, was the North Carolina State left tackle, Iki uh, Iguanu, who um, some people suggest, you know, certainly a top-five type pick. Uh, kind of give us your thumbnail on him when you were preparing to play that team. Yeah, he's the type of guy that you watch some of his clips and you cut them out of the cut-up so your players don't see it. (laughs) He is the most vicious, nasty, tough offensive lineman that I can remember since I've been back to college football. There are clips of him just finishing people off, running down the field, chasing people. First of all, he's talented. He can protect. He's a good run blocker. but And he's enormous when you see him in person. But his mindset and how he plays is very different than most offensive linemen that I've seen on tape, and he can run. He he just jumped off the film more than any other old lineman that I've seen in my three years back. No, I, I agree wow. with that. Yeah, that no, says I, a lot. I saw that too. I mean, he he just wanted to get guys on the ground. I mean, he just yeah. yeah he wants to. He just wants. It looks like he just wants to hurt people. <laughs> yeah, he was violent yeah. and vicious. And I would love for guys like that to be on my team. Um, I don't think you guys played Pitt this past year. I mean, obviously, I'm sure you probably saw them on tape if you have a take on Kenny Pickett uh, because most are expecting that he is going to be the first quarterback taken, and he certainly looks like the most pro-ready, complete quarterback, kind of the central casting guy of this class uh, that that a team might invest a first-round pick in. So um, even if you didn't play Pitt, did you see him enough on tape to have a feel for Kenny Pickett? Yeah, we didn't play him this year. We played him. We played him the previous year, and I was really impressed with him. He's just, he's the guy, like, when you watch him, he's got it. Right. He sees the game really well. It looks like he processes very fast. He can make all of the throws. I'll tell you a story what impressed me the most. We actually, we beat them in overtime. And in the third or fourth quarter, we were hitting them and hitting them and hitting them. And he could barely walk. He hurt his ankle against us. He actually missed time after the game. He finished the game. And not only did he finish the game, he took them. He, he's the one who single-handedly took them and caught up and sent the game into overtime, and he did it with his feet, uh, ducking and dodging and staying up, and he scrambled for a first down. I think he actually scrambled for a touchdown. So to me, yeah, he's got all the tools, 
but he also has a toughness about him that after that game, I had a tremendous amount of respect because I can't believe he came back in the game and he basically willed himself to play on that ankle. If you were evaluating him at the end, like if that discussion is happening in the room, how much does a game like that tilt the scales to taking a quarterback or someone in the room is like, look, not only are we getting a player that checks the boxes physically, but like, guys, did you see the BC game? How tough he is that 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 becomes maybe the thing that puts him over the top for a team. Yeah, to me, it's if you like him and you like his talent and you think he fits your system and then you hear that story, it should totally tip it because that's what you want your quarterback to be. Yeah, because not all players are like that. And that's, again, why you have to do your homework and call college coaches. If you're going to take right. a quarterback in the first round, you better find out the guy's tough and he's going to fight for his team and that he cares more about his team than his injured ankle and possibly his draft status, right? So that would tip the scale for me. I'm a Kenny Pickett fan for all the reasons of him playing and he's talented and I don't care how big his hands are, but his toughness right there, that says it all to me. Well, it's funny you say that because I, obviously when I was at the Combine this year, I asked a lot of friends of mine, offensive coaches, about Pickett. And the first thing they did was point to their head and say, this kid is wired right. He is going to lead your team. And, you know, and then you basically the story you just told indicates that. Um, so he's one of those guys because that's exactly what you, you want your quarterback to be. Yeah, he, he's a winner. It's exactly what he's why Pitt won the ACC last year. Yeah, I mean, he, the kid is a winner and him coming back to school and not leaving. I mean, it changed his life and it changed Pitt. And I have a, I have a ton of respect for him. What, one other guy, I know you did play Florida State this past year. So how about Jermaine Johnson? We just talked about him on Tuesday as maybe not, you know, in the Thibodeau-Hutchinson category in terms of like top five pick as an edge rusher, but I think everybody thinks he's going to go in the first round. So where would you slot him in and, and what what pres, uh, challenges did he present when you faced him? He was the most disruptive player that we played against all year. And, and again, I'm a defensive guy, but yeah. when, I, when I watched that film live and when I was at the game, he's the first guy that I very quickly got on the headsets and said, you better put two or three guys on him on every single play or he's going to hurt our quarterback. What impressed me the most about him, which is very similar to the Kenny Pickett is, He's a lot tougher than yes. I thought he was on tape when I watched him. On the field live, he plays the run and he strains and he runs and he fights. And sometimes you need to see that live, which is, again, in this draft process, I think it's also important. You know, John Lynch calls me and says, hey, talk to me about him. Talk to me about players you, you played against and coached against because there might be some other guys that he might call me on and I might say, man, that kid's a, he didn't even try hard against us. But this guy, Jermaine. I mean, this kid, this kid is tough. He plays hard. I felt like he's got the it factor to him, too. Um, so I think you, you've talked about all three guys that I would want on my team in the NFL or in college football. Jeff, can't tell you how much we appreciate you joining us. No, I appreciate you guys having me on. This was a lot of fun, bringing up a lot of good memories yeah. in those draft process. And um, no, I, I appreciate the support, and I, I appreciate the time. This was fun. Yeah, I hope I get a BC game this year so we ah. can do this, we'll chop it up a little bit more. This was awesome. That would be great. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Coach. Jeff, man, thanks so much. Right. Be in touch. Thanks, guys. All right, that's Jeff Halfley, the head coach at Boston College. Straight ahead, we'll have some reaction from Greg on some of the things that Coach just told us. When you see talent in a player but don't quite see it on the field, how hard the evaluation process becomes for NFL teams. That's an interesting topic that both of those guys touched on. We'll delve into it a little bit more when we come back on Tapez Draft Season. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring – 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because they didn't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new natural hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the natural hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the natural hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Bob Shoes and Greg Cosell, we are back here on Tapehead's Draft Season. How much fun was that, talking to Jeff ah. Halfley, right? So far, I'd say we're three for three on guests this year, right? We, we've hit a home run the last three weeks with everybody we've had on, and he was as good as anybody. Uh, he was phenomenal. And I got to meet him uh, when he was with Cleveland because uh, I knew that staff. I knew, um, I think Ray Farmer may have at the time been out there as the GM. If memory serves me correctly, um, they invited me out, and I spent a day out there and got to meet him, and we kind of hit it off. So, so I... I've known Jeff when he then went to the Niners and I'm I'm really happy for his success and I'm really glad he mentioned he signed a a five year deal and he's going to Well, I'm be happy to have him. Yeah. yeah so, as a BC uh, guy, that's yeah. I, I, that is a guy you want shepherding your program along. No and question. I think something that you touched on with him though that I think is really really interesting. And when ego gets involved, right for a coach, a general manager, when you see it on tape that a guy isn't really what the NFL you know, from an effort and a production standpoint is looking for, but all the measurables are there, right? And how many coaches might be like, you know what? I'm the best. I'm, I can get it out of him. And does that every now and then get into the draft room on draft day where now a general manager or a coach sees something that they think is a diamond in the rough. They see the talent lurking beneath the surface, but the guys he was playing for, they couldn't mine it. They couldn't develop it, but I can. Right. 
and and do you tread into some dangerous waters there sometimes by believing that you can milk something out of a player that the college guys couldn't? And that's a great question. And, and, and Jeff obviously thought it was a great question, too, because it's a difficult question to answer. And I think it's one reason why mistakes are made, because when all said and done, Bob, it's human beings evaluating human beings. We can go into all the metrics, analytics, whatever now is being advanced in terms of analyzing players, but it's still human beings analyzing human beings. And the whole point of this process is to project and transition guys to the NFL and how they can be used in specific ways to be successful. As I think we've discussed in some of our earlier podcasts, there's not 30 or 40 transcendent players in any given draft. If you talk to teams, they'll probably tell you that in any given draft, there's probably only 12 to 15 players that even have first round grades. So you have to find out in talking to their coach why they used him the way they did. Why did they see his traits working best in the way they deployed him? Why they couldn't deploy him in other ways? How did they see that? Did they use him a certain way because it fit every other player on their team on that side of the ball? Let's say you're talking about defense. Did they need him to play in their defense because of other players on their defense? There are so many factors that go into play uh, so when you see a guy and you say, gee, I like his traits, there's so much more that goes into that than just saying, wow, he's big, he's fast, and he can run. Everybody wants guys who are big and fast who can run. You know, that's right. not uh, that in itself is not complicated. But it's then when you step beyond that, how do you deploy them in the NFL and how can they best be deployed based on what they were asked to do in college? Yeah, I, I tell people this all the time. When you see a left tackle giving up a bunch of sacks or a quarterback that looks like a bust or a corner that's getting beat time and time again, but they were a high first round draft choice and on Twitter or in the stands at the games or to the radio call-in shows, the fans are screaming, this guy's a bust, get rid of him, he can't play. Believe me when I tell you, the coaches and general managers can see it too. They, of course they know. But if they're the ones that drafted him, then they, like, if you think the players have big egos, the coaches and the general manager's egos are just as big. Without question. So so if you think a general manager is going to quit on a first-round draft choice after one year, even if in his heart of hearts he knows he made a mistake and knows the guy can't play, they don't do that because then they are admitting to the world, I didn't know what I was doing when I drafted that guy. So that's why you see if a general manager drafted a quarterback that the rest of us all know really can't do this, he's going to stick with that guy a for longer. A, yeah. a much longer period of time. That's why, like, all of a sudden a new coaching staff comes in, a new general manager comes in. If that group gets fired because that guy that they drafted isn't playing real well, and all of a sudden that first-round draft choice is out after two or three years, well, that's why. Because now I'm not attached to that player. I didn't draft him. It's not my reputation resting on whether or not he can play. So if you see those kind of quote-unquote first-round busts that you know are busts last a little bit longer, it's purely, I think, because of the – and it's really hard for a, a general manager not only to his own ego, but if all of a sudden the next year he wants to replace that player that he just took in the first round last year and he has to go into the owner, and the owner's going to be looking at him going – didn't you have any idea what you were doing last year? Why should I trust right, you right. to replace that guy if you drafted the wrong guy last year? So, I mean, I think that's where some of this 
all of these decisions come from, not only sometimes making the wrong decision, but also sticking with it after you make the wrong decision longer than you should out of ego, right? Out of like needing to prove that you were right. Well, I'll give you a, a good example with quarterbacks, for instance. I, obviously, the marquee position, Bob. So when you watch tape with quarterbacks, one of the things you really want to get a feel for, because it's so important in the NFL, is whether you feel that he can see the field well. His vision, can he see the field? Right. Now, sometimes in college, with the systems that teams run, that's hard. Because very often, college systems are based on a lot of one-read or even no-read throws. Here's the guy you're throwing it to based on this play call. So sometimes it's very difficult to figure out, hey, can this guy really see the field? Because in the NFL, you can't make a living on one-read and no-read throws. Can you do that on first down? Sure. If you're running the RPO game, sure. But when it gets to be third and nine, you, your quarterback can't make a living on one read and no read throws. So you watch quarterbacks play and you try to get an understanding of that. And sometimes it's difficult. So you, you and let's say the guy is, has great traits. He's got a big arm. He moves well. He's got the so-called physical athletic traits, but you're just uncertain that he, if he can see the field well, and then you decide that he can't. Let's say you decide that he can't, but then your scouting department says to you, oh, but he's got a big arm. He ran a 4-5-40. He's this, he's that. And then you draft him. And then you know what? He still can't see the field. So despite all the other things, all the other physical athletic attributes that are off the charts and that everybody loves, when push comes to shove, He just can't see the field, so he's not going to make the throws that are absolutely demanded in those critical money-down situations. Yeah, if I was picking a quarterback, Greg, I almost would tell my guys, don't even show me all of the plays that this guy ran in college where the play design worked, right? Like right out of the box. Like if, if, if I call a play where I've got a slot receiver running a skinny post against cover two or cover four, and it's he's my first read, and my quarterback takes a three- to five-step drop and just snaps the perfect ball over the middle, do I want to see that? I guess sure. But that was a play where you drew up the perfect route combination yep. against the perfect defense. The first read was there, and the quarterback looked like a Hall of Famer because the first read that he saw worked perfectly. And that's great. That shows the physical traits. But like in the NFL, to have a successful quarterback, I want to look at all of the snaps when read one isn't there. Sometimes read two isn't there. Then what? And now he's got to go to read three and read four. Yeah, then what? To me, I would put a lot more stake in that tape than I would of, I mean, any, any offensive coordinator, if I'm going to show my resume tape as an offensive coordinator, a play caller to a head coach, of course I want to show him <laughs> the plays that I designed perfect call against the perfect defense that worked right out of the box. And that's going to make me look good. But I don't know how much yeah. that's going to, as an evaluator of the quarterback, tell me about the quarterback. Right. And that's why, you know, tunnel bubble screens to the wide side of the field in college football are meaningless if you're evaluating right, exactly. a quarterback. That's like a, it's like a handoff. Right. I, I remember Ray Farmer a number of years ago when he was a GM telling me something I never forgot, and it's hard. He said, what's the difference? He asked me this question because we were talking quarterbacks. And I think I said something. Maybe I said something stupid. I do that every once in a while. But he said to me, what's the difference between anticipation and predetermination? And how do you know that? 
And I, I thought that was a great, great question because when you're evaluating a quarterback coming out of college, and just what you said, Bob, if it's a certain route concept that I know because I've been doing this for a long time and they get the exact right defense and he sticks it right on him and it looks like he throws it with great anticipation, he's just throwing the play call. The play right. call was there. You know, they got exactly what they wanted. You know, so how do you figure out that difference when you're evaluating a quarterback between predetermining a throw? The phrase we use is he's throwing that out of the huddle. As you know, you've heard that before. And true anticipation where, you know, you have to make an anticipatory throw as you drop back, you sort of see the defense and now you go, oh, that's where I want to throw it. But that wasn't necessarily, you know, the play call and the defense to to the nth degree. So that's a very hard thing to do. Yep. It's great stuff. Jeff Halfley was great, obviously. Oh, yeah. We've got all the way up until the draft to keep on talking football just the way we are. We want you to hit us up on social media. Tell us more about the players that you want to hear about and why you want them on your team. And, you know, guys that maybe you haven't heard Greg talk about yet, but you may want him to focus on because I'm sure there are a lot of you out there that have some college football players in your town that you think could be NFL players and you want to see what the tape says. Greg will tell you. And we will come back next week with more of those player evaluations and what teams are thinking about another week closer to the NFL draft. Thanks so much for being a tape head. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.